G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. It was Mum, actually, that was worried about me because she could see I was uh, depressed and down in the dumps and she actually was the one that had said to me, why don't you go to this church in Brisbane? Because she could see I was quite confused living a double sort of a life. You know, he was a great nurse doing these wonderful programs with Aboriginal health, but my social life was just crazy. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, we have two stories for you today with a motherhood theme. We'll start off with Vivian Wilson, who's been a mother to many and is the author of the book A Full Life, The Adventures of a Christian Worker. She began her journey as a nurse in outback Aboriginal communities before heading to different countries in Africa. She's having a chat and sharing her story with Karen Hunt and Matt Prater. I was born in Brisbane. And uh, that was back in 1954, so I'm getting on a bit now. Uh, yeah, so basically I grew up in the suburbs in Brisbane and um, it was a bit tough in some ways, but uh, I've had a good life really uh, compared to some other poor people that I've met over the many years. But uh, my dad had a alcohol problem and so uh, I suppose that's why I've got such empathy for people who are down and out. At 17, um, I did my nursing training. In some ways, it was actually not to, to be a nice person and help people. It was really at once <laughs> to get out of home at, at that time. I'm grateful for it because I know that health education is actually something I'm very good at. Not clinical nursing, but uh, health education has really helped me working in third world countries. It opened doors, and I did my midwifery, and uh, I travelled. As soon as I finished, I went overseas. Were you uh, a part of a religious family growing up, or- was it, what, oh, yeah, I'm very grateful for my mum. Um, she sent me to Sunday school, and as a little girl, my favourite little song was Over the Seas There Are Little Brown Children, Fathers and Mothers and Babies, Dear. And I love that song. So whenever there was a request, I'd put my hand up for that. So I believe God placed in my heart as a little girl a missionary calling to uh, people of other cultures, particularly dark-skinned uh, people. And uh, you had a favourite childhood story as well, the little match girl. Yes, that's right. The little match girl, um, uh, I think, uh, really touched my heart. This poor girl who was out on the streets freezing, and I think she died, and she was looking through the window and could see people having a big feast. And, yeah, I just was really touched by that as well. And I I think, um, again, all those stories just help put an imprint in your heart. And I think that was the Holy Spirit leading me to my life's work, definitely. I started off in Africa just travelling as a backpacker. And uh, so all that experience helped me. And I was in a big car accident. Uh, We were hit in um, Tanzania. Mm. And I got thrown out of a truck. And uh, when I got thrown out... As a backslidden Christian, I said, thank you, Lord, for saving my life. One day I'll come back and work for these people because they treated us with such love. And um, I realized uh, that we hadn't really treated them that well. Um, you know, if it was because uh, I'd been in South Africa and I'd seen the apartheid and what had happened. Yeah. And so, um, but it didn't happen for straight away. You know, it was some years later that I was able to 
uh, follow that um, that dream and go back to Africa. Yeah. So um, and so youth youth with a mission. That's been a part of your life too. Well, yes, youth with a mission. But it started off actually. I um, went first with World Vision over to Ethiopia mm-hmm. from 1985 to 1986. They wanted someone who'd work cross culturally, and I had because I'd. Uh, when I, um, I went, uh, came back from travelling around as a backpacker, I went straight to um, Mornington Island and I worked there for two and a half years in an Aboriginal community and Doomadgee for six months in Cairns. So they wanted someone who'd worked cross-culturally and who'd worked with um, uh, doing nutrition feeding programs. Now, I'd only worked with kids, maybe about five kids that had malnutrition, and suddenly I'm over in Ethiopia working with um, hundreds of kids that have got uh, severe malnutrition, and so it was certainly a big shock. But the fact that I'd been exposed already to some sort of training, um, it was very useful for Ethiopia uh, that I'd had that training. And I was there for a year, and with the YWAM, what happened was when I went on holidays from uh, Ethiopia, I suddenly somehow ended up meeting YWAMers there and um, decided that I'd stay on in Kenya with YWAM for three and a half years, which I loved as well. So you must have had some kind of God encounter to uh, uh, be involved with World Vision and YWAM and everything. What happened? was, that, was Did you have an encounter with the Lord that, that impacted you then? Or? Yes, so I suppose... Um, I'd been badly backslidden um, uh, when I was working with the Queensland Aboriginal Health Program and it's very interesting but I actually called her enemy number one and um, she was a very straight-laced English lady and um, but she was a Christian and I had to go to Lockhart River to do a program with her to, uh, to weigh kids and stuff and I'd run out of books to read and the only books that she had were Christian books and the book she gave me was um, uh, Anointed for Burial, and these guys had joy, and they were just about to be beheaded in the mm. Pol Pot regime, and I'm thinking, how could they be full of joy? Here's me. I've got mm. everything I want, and I don't even have it. I don't have joy. And it was actually walking along the crocodile-infested uh, water with tears running down my eyes, um, speaking with her, that um, I suddenly realised I'd been searching in the wrong direction, actually, and um, I actually sort of made a kind of a half kind of a commitment then, which I reconfirmed later on in Brisbane, believe it or not, in a church down in Brisbane, and recommitted my life. And then as soon as I did that, God then had me, boom, not within six months off to Africa again, but with real vision. So, mm. yes, I did have a, an amazing God counter um, to turn me around again, back to do what God really had called me to do. And did all your friends and family notice the transformation in your life? Yes, I believe so. It was mum, actually, that was worried about me because um, um, she could see I was uh, uh, depressed and down in the dumps, and she actually was the one that had said to me, why don't you go to this church in Brisbane? Um, and because, you know, I was sort of... When I got caught up in, in cans, I got caught up in that lifestyle, the alternate lifestyle, and she could see I was quite confused. Um, you know, I was um, living a double sort of a life. You know, he was a great nurse doing these wonderful programs, with Aboriginal health, but my social life was just crazy. And so um, uh, she actually said, well, you know, go there. And, and it was watching the film Joni again in Brisbane that um, here's this girl who was uh, quadriplegic and she had this joy. And so it was, again, that same <laughs> reason when I um, first made that commitment when I was 17, suddenly, 12 years later, the same sort of thing. I could see that Joni had something that I didn't have 
and I made a recommitment then at that church and and um, it was very strong and God then yeah sent me back off to um, to do work in Africa yeah Vivian Wilson is sharing with Matt Prater and myself she's the author of the book a full life the adventures of a Christian aid worker she has definitely been as a nurse like a mum to many now she mentioned earlier about living an alternative lifestyle let's find out from Vivian exactly what that looked like I was very straight-laced kind of I suppose during the week but um, I you know uh, I suppose got caught up in the kind of um, I used to call myself a weekend hippie not that I was uh, very heavily into drugs but uh, socially I um, got into smoking marijuana and I suppose drinking and uh, so with that uh, you know you get your dysfunction and things like that and so um, yeah, so I suppose that's the hedonistic sort of life that I lived at that time in Cairns. So transformation is an important concept. Yeah. You've outlined a lot of involvement with many different countries within Africa. Tell us the transformation that had you then go to the outback of Australia. I'd already done my little bit in, um, as you know, in Queensland with the um, uh, Aboriginal health, but as a backslidden Christian, but. Um, when I was actually over in Africa uh, working there, particularly um, after I'd done my stuff with uh, YWAM, I had sort of learned about the Father Heart of God. I suppose that's what I, it was a great revelation to me was that God was a father because my sadly my earthly father, even though he loved me, wasn't able to show that to me. And so I had an amazing revelation in... Um, uh, when I was with uh, YWAM in Kenya and uh, I suppose they talked about forgiveness and, and that was so strong in my heart so when I did get called to go to Rwanda uh, during the uh, 1994 genocide oh, I got there just after that where I could see that he was a, a group of people that had come from the 17th century down from Ethiopia down into the centre of um, uh, Africa, which was Rwanda, and there was jealousy between the Hutu and the Tutsi. And this hatred this um, just had bubbled up over all these centuries where there was payback going on and on and off. And I could see the most important thing was to just you, to learn to forgive. And uh, if you don't learn to forgive... Uh, it can suddenly spring up any time where this uh, deep-seated hatred comes out and people can do the most terrible things to one another if there's no forgiveness. And I think that's where I had the most amazing transformation was probably my work in Rwanda because it was quite um, horrific. I actually did witness three to 4,000 dead bodies mm. on top of each other. Wow. And I had uh, such a traumatic... I didn't know I was suffering from post-traumatic stress until some years later, but... Um, you, you, when you see something like that, you, you're a completely changed person. But I believe for the better, because I can see now that I'm um, I'm very much more sensitive in in, in, in things. But I, I'm so strong on the idea of uh, forgiving and, and reconciliation. So you really did need to go through a whole healing process, and uh, dealing yes. with trauma is not a simple, easy no. thing definitely not a simple thing and see what it was was why I wrote this book was because it was a Christian psychologist who said to me Vivian you need to journal you need to put down your thoughts because um, I can see that you're suffering from from you know post-traumatic which I had already been diagnosed with 
And as I was writing the book, I actually actually got a, I was really getting excited about the book in some of the things. But it was also bringing back sad memories. I was putting it down. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that that's very, very healing to actually write down what you've been going mm. through. And then I realized what I was writing would actually help others who are suffering from depression or post-traumatic stress or whatever, uh, that you can, no matter who you are, you can pull yourself up with the grace of God. And that's why God was speaking to me all the way through. You'll see there's a lot of um, verses that... Um, the Bible, you know, jumped out and showed me what I should do in, during circumstances. I failed many times, and that's what's in the book is my failures and then how I pulled myself out of those failures with God's help. We're chatting with Vivian Wilson. Vivian has been a mother figure to many in Outback Australia, also in different countries throughout Africa. Originally a nurse, she's now a minister and the director of Teen Challenge Centralia in Alice Springs. She mainly works right now with Indigenous youth, particularly those caught up in substance abuse. Let's find out now exactly how Vivian is able to use her own life experience in supporting these very special children. With the Teen Challenge, it's been an avenue where I've been able to reach out to troubled young people. I was particularly moved by the concern of petrol sniffers. So when I was with World Vision, I did actually come down to Central Australia with World Vision doing a health promotion project at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I saw these kids sniffing petrol and it was just terrible. You know, they were just so caught up in their sniffing and it seemed like there was a real dark side to the sniffing. First of all, they thought it was funny and they'd laugh and giggle and whatever. But then what would happen is they would, um, there was a lot of um, evil thoughts that would come into their minds and they would suicide. Mm. And, um, it, and and I could see this is just shocking and uh, I just knew that God loved and wanted something for those kids. And it was um, that I was drawn back here again in 2001 um, to do something with Teen Challenge this time to help uh, support those kids who were with substance abuse. And so I have been able to pray into the sniffers' lives and uh, I've seen some amazing miracles happen. Vivian, thanks so much for your time. God bless. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. That was Vivian Wilson, who's been described as a mother to many, having a chat and sharing her story with Karen Hunt and Matt Prater. Once again, she's the author of the book A Full Life, The Adventures of a Christian Worker. Next, we'll continue our motherhood theme with a chat with Hazel Alley, who has also had an adventurous life and is the mother of eight children in all. We'll hear her story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story, where today we are celebrating motherhood. Before the break, we heard from Vivian Wilson, who's been described as a mother to many, and now our guest is Hazel Alley, who is the mother of eight children in all. She has had quite an adventurous life along with her husband, and she's sharing her story with Shelley Scowan. You got married when you were 19 years old. I guess in today's terms, and possibly back then too, it was considered quite a young age to get married? 
Yes, I think it was considered fairly young back then and um, we were just 19 too. So, you know, needed to wait for the birthday and then we got married. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm. That's great. What were friends and family like? Were they um, a little apprehensive or just completely they knew you and they knew your maturity and, and that you'd be fine? Oh, I'm not sure. I think there was some apprehension, but... Um, we spoke to a, a marriage counsellor just to put my parents uh, at ease. That mm. They felt we were fine to go ahead and get married, so we did. And here we are 43 years later, so wow. <laughs> still going strong. Yes, mm. 43 years and eight children later and uh, yes. many exciting stories to tell later as well. Tell us about the time that you were in Papua New Guinea. You you got the call to go over there to minister to many of the churches there. Uh, you had two small children at the time and, and two more came along in that time. It sounds like a pretty adventurous part of your life. It was a very adventurous part of our lives. We were Salvation Army officers then and uh, I was actually pregnant when we flew up to PNG and it quite an interesting story having babies uh, up there and uh, but there was really no alternative you know to come back home you've got to be away from PNG for months because the airlines won't let you on you know before or after close and I just felt I needed to be with my family so I had the babies up there and lots of funny and interesting stories to tell about that but we loved PNG we really enjoyed our five years up there, loved the people. The whole experience was positive. It was a great time. You obviously were married quite young and it was a few years until children came along for you. What was it like uh, just seeking God as to his will for your family and your life? There was a specific moment that you went away and intentionally prayed to God about what he would have you do. Yes, I think when you get married and when you want children, you think they're just going to come, mm. you know, and we were looking at going to the Salvation Army uh, Training College to become officers, so we thought we'd have children before we went in, but it just didn't happen, so we went in and did the training, and when we came out, it still wasn't happening, and I understand, you know, what it's like for women who just can't get pregnant. I was very upset, so I figured I needed to pray about it and ask the Lord, because if he didn't intend us to have children for some other purpose, I wanted to know. I thought I could be settled about that if I had a word from God on it. So I prayed about it, and he gave me a scripture that said, the word of the Lord will not depart from your mouth or the mouth of your children or your children's children from this time forth and forevermore. And so I was then at ease. I felt I had the word, I was going to have children, even grandchildren, and I was at peace. And I got pregnant really quickly after that. So wow. um, our first baby came along six years after we got married. Wow. I think God works in those ways quite often. The whole thing of once you finally submit to God and just say, do what you will with my life, and I'm actually... Yes. That is, if, like if in this particular circumstance, if you don't want to send me kids, I'm actually all right with that. Yes, I will be sad, but just mm. give me the next direction kind of thing. And I think oftentimes it's when we come to that point of completely submitting our own desires to God that quite often he will just end up blessing us with those desires anyway. 
Yes, I know. It's wonderful, isn't it? (laughs) I think he has a sense of humour in it all. I think Mm. it's all part of teaching us lessons, though, isn't it? True, yes. And he has um, that in mind in developing us, developing our character, developing our spiritual life. You know, that's important to him, too. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So there you were, you had your four kids and you had a great ministry going with your husband. You were the pastors there at uh, Rockhampton in the Peace Christian Church. Everything was looking great. Youngest one was about seven or eight years old and you started feeling the knocking on your heart's door again from God. Well, it's interesting. I went to a Wimber conference in Sydney um, on spiritual warfare and I was just all very enthused about, you know, ministering in this sort of area. But amazingly, away from the family, all on my own, hearing God, he was actually talking to me about um, releasing myself to um, let him do what he wanted to do as far as children were concerned. You know, not the sort of topic you'd be expecting at a spiritual warfare conference, but that's what (laughs) he was on my case about. Yeah. So um, I say with gritted teeth, <laughs> I um, submitted to him regarding that. But it's amazing. It still was a, another 11 months or so before I fell pregnant. Wow. And that was just the start of the next part of the journey and where we ended up with four more children. And I had my last child when I was 46. Wow. So I tell women who were worried, I said, no, don't worry. I had children in my 40s and up to 46, you know? Yeah, but it's not always the case for everyone. Of course, the risks for so many different things increase the older you get. Was that weighing on your mind? Was that weighing on your mind a bit in those later pregnancies? Uh, I don't think so. I, I really trusted the Lord about that and I was trusting for whatever. You know, uh, we would have accepted whatever God gave us, you know? Mm. So I wasn't fearful about that. Uh, You were actually (laughs) born on Mother's Day. That's right. And because I'm the oldest in the family, my mother actually became a mother on Mother's Day. So I've always thought that was special. Yes, that is really special. I love it. Although I do always say to all the pregnant ladies, uh, people, ladies that are pregnant with their first on Mother's Day, that they still have to celebrate Mother's Day. <laughs> well, they they technically are a mother. Exactly. That's what I always say. With this whole term of becoming a mother or becoming a father once the baby's born, once you've got a baby inside you, you're a mother and you're already making sacrifices for your baby. So uh, all the pregnant mums out there, make sure you get pampered this Mother's Day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hazel, what does Mother's Day mean to you? Well, um, I am very blessed to have a wonderful mother myself. So um, I really grew up in a very stable, happy family. So I think motherhood is just tops, you know. And so I love to use Mother's Day to honour my mum and other mothers. We we have often other mothers around us who have been like that to us as well. But as long as we make sure that we remember our mothers on other days of the year, not just that one day. Yes, know? yeah. Plus I love being a mother too as well, of course. 
Hazel, a really encouraging conversation today on quite a number of different topics. We thank you for telling just a tiny part of your story today. No, that's been a, a privilege. Thank you. That was Shelley Scowan having a chat with Hazel Alley from Rockhampton in Queensland. And before that, we heard from Vivian Wilson, author of the book A Full Life, The Adventures of a Christian Worker. Well, that brings to a conclusion today's motherhood-themed program. I hope you enjoyed it. And to all the mothers listening today, we just want to say thank you for all that you do. We really appreciate it. And we'll close with these verses from the book of Proverbs. A wife of noble character who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Well, thanks for joining us for our motherhood-themed program. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Our team leader is one of my good friends was supposed to teach me how to ride the bike before he left and the day before he left said okay Nat jump on I'm going to show you because I don't I can't even drive a manual car so (laughs) I can ride a manual motorbike but I had to learn so he gave me one or two lessons and gave me a high five and said okay Nat we'll see you in three months and so when I was driving back on that bike from the office I actually got lost in the jungle. Natalie Brennan is the program coordinator of the literacy program that is run deep in the jungles of Mozambique. She grew up in Sydney and says her story is one of an average Australian girl that God has used to do crazy things because she said yes to him. We'll find out how it all came about next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.